how many of you have heard, he's kind of obscure, um, he was kind of obscure in his day, but have you ever heard of Billy Graham? Any, anybody heard of Billy Graham? Anybody? Nobody's heard of Billy Graham. Oh, some of y'all are saying you heard. Okay. Um, you may or may not know that there was another famous evangelist about the same time as Billy Graham. Some of y'all may know the story. Uh, you know, Billy Graham rose to prominence after World War II. Um, a lot of young people were disillusioned by the Great Depression. A lot of people were searching for answers. Uh, the Great Depression certainly showed our country that material was not going to provide our needs. A lot of young people, young families, were searching for answers because of World War II, which this week we remember D-Day, uh, World War II. So a lot of people came back freshly aware of their own mortality. And so evangelism really took off in the United States in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. So did our churches as people were really searching for meaning. And so there was a young Billy Graham, but before Billy Graham, or about the same time as Billy Graham, there was another famous evangelist by the name of Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was uh, born in 1915, and he rose to prominence the same time Billy Graham did. In fact, he was listed among one of the best evangelists in the country in 1946 by the National Association of Evangelicals. He started a church in Canada called Avenue Road Church in Toronto uh, with only his family and a few friends, and the church grew rapidly, and Templeton was named as one of the three vice presidents of a newly formed organization called Youth for Christ International. You may have heard of that organization, and in fact, it was Charles Templeton who nominated his good friend, Billy Graham, they were good friends, to be the field evangelist for Youth for Christ International. So Charles Templeton was the one that nominated Billy Graham. And so Billy Graham was out preaching, and so was Charles Templeton. Templeton was also a tremendous evangelist. In fact, <clears throat> he held an evangelistic crusade right here in Indiana, in Evansville, Indiana. And in fact, over the two-week campaign, the total attendance at his crusade here in Evansville, Indiana, was 91,000 people, and that was out of a population of 178,000 people at the time in Evansville. In fact, Charles Templeton, in his heyday, it was said that over 150 people a week came to Christ under his evangelistic ministry, and during his time, uh, like in Evansville, church attendance grew by some 17%. Templeton was just on par, on par with Billy Graham. He was leading these humongous evangelistic crusades. However, Charles Templeton began to have doubts. His faith began, he began to question his faith. Uh, one of the things that first started off his questioning was he began to hear scientists were saying that the earth was billions of years old or millions of years old back then. It's grown by a few billion in the last 50 years. But that the earth was millions and millions of years old, and Tar Templeton began to say, you know, I don't know that the book of Genesis really is true. I'm not so sure God really did create the earth in six days. And Templeton decided, you know what, I'm going to go. And he went to a, uh, a seminary, and instead of coming out stronger in his faith, he came out really struggling with his faith. And ultimately, within a few years, Charles Templeton left the ministry. In later years, he wrote a book called Farewell to God. He rejected ministry completely. He rejected his faith in Christ. And you know, a lot of times it's in those moments of struggle and, and temptation and trial that our faith is really forged. We really go through the fire. And, and do I really believe this or not? There's a story about 
two boys that were uh, on the edge of a frozen pond. And one of the boys said to the other, he said, Billy, I believe that'll bear up your weight. Do you? And Billy said, yeah, I think it will. And the boy said, well, get on it. And he said, no. He said, I don't, I don't know that I want to. You get on it. He said, no, you get on it. He said, well, apparently you don't believe it's really going to bear my weight, do you? Right? It's easy to say things. It's easy to say I believe something. But it's a whole different story when your faith is through the fire. Do you really believe? In fact, today I just want to share with you a big thought as we look at this book in 1 Thessalonians, and that is this, that faith is forged in the fire. Our faith is going to be forged in the fire. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We've been going through this. And as you're going there, you know, as we talk about faith, faith is like a muscle, and you have to use it. After a while, if you don't, it will atrophy. Your faith is like a muscle. It has to get exercised. It has to get stretched. It has to be called into action. And a healthy Christ follower is a person who walks by faith and not by sight. See, this is the difference. Non-Christ followers walk by sight. I only believe it if I can see it. Christ followers say, you know what, I may not see it, but I believe it. Now, it's not a blind faith. It's a faith built on evidence. But it, nonetheless, we walk by faith. Now, 1 Thessalonians is written to a church that I would say is a very healthy church, but it's a very persecuted church. This is a church that's really going through some difficult times. It's written to the people that lived in the city of Thessalonica. It was a capital city. There was a major highway that went through Thessalonica, so it was filled with all sorts of people with all different backgrounds. There were Romans, there were Greeks, there were Jews, and, and, and all these people brought their different gods there, to, so the city was full of all sorts of idols. And, and so you, you had this church that Paul came in. He was only there maybe for three weeks, maybe a couple months, not very long before he was run out of town. And he has started this church, and there's this little band of new Christ followers in a town that's very pagan, a town that is obviously not Christianized at all in any way. And so they're a lot different than those people. And in fact, even though Christianity has Jewish root ties, at this point the Jewish community was not wanting to tolerate Christianity either uh, because they felt like we were taking away from the Jewish community. So here was this church, brand new church, prematurely orphaned because Paul didn't really Paul and Silas and Timothy and the team they didn't get to spend much time there because they basically ran out of town so here's this church that's prematurely orphaned and, and they're they don't really have any leaders right now and they're in the midst of this town and so Paul he, he's been wanting to go back, been wanting to go back, and every time he tries to go back, it just seems like a roadblock thrown into his way. And so Paul is just really, really struggling with this because he's really concerned about these people. So he writes this letter after he had gotten a report from Timothy. Let's look at what he wrote to them. And, and, and again, I think what you're going to see is a church that even though they're persecuted, even though they're young, even though they're new believers, it's a church that nonetheless is healthy and it's a church whose faith is being forged in the fire. So look at what Paul says. First Thessalonians chapter 3. He says this, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was be be better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. 
so that no one will be shaken by these persecutions. So again, Paul knows they're under fire. He knows that the, that the fire is going on. And again, faith is forged in the fire. And, and let me just tell you this. Fire will test your faith. Some of you this week, your faith has probably been tested. Do you really believe that God can give you love for somebody that seems really unlovable? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit can exhibit patience through you when you really don't want to be patient right now? Do you really believe you can be kind? I mean, you know, we all go through those things, and we all face some sort of a struggle. So again, here in Thessalonica, they're going through a lot of persecution. According to Acts 16, when Paul came into Thessalonica, again, he started this church, and the, the leaders of the, the synagogue were not happy because a lot of prominent women and men were coming to Christ, and they, they, they go after Paul and Silas, and they, they run them out of town, and they, try to, uh, they have to leave in the cover of night, and so there was all sorts of persecution. So this, this little band of Christians, they're facing persecution from the Jewish synagogue leaders. They're facing persecution from their own leaders, because here's the thing. Most people there were Romans, and they they worship multiple gods, and you hear they have this person that's a Christ follower says there is no God except Jesus Christ. Caesar is not God. And so a lot of these people were losing their jobs. A lot of these people were being cut off by their family members because they're like, you're part of some weird sect. I don't, we don't want anything to do. So they're losing their jobs. They're losing their livelihoods. They were losing their family members and things like that. And so it just wasn't good. These people were going through the fire. And right now, you may be going through the fire. Your faith may be tested right now. Do you really believe this? All right, you may be at that point that Charles Templeton was many years ago. Do I really believe this? Do I really believe that Jesus is the only way? Maybe there's other ways out there. How do I deal with this family member that, that's just saying, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with you? How are you dealing right now if your faith is being forged in the fire? How do you keep from leaving the faith in the midst of the fire? How do you keep going on? So what I want you to see is this. If you're struggling right now about, you know, do I really believe this? Is this true? How do I deal with this? Let me share with you, I think, a few things in this passage that gives us hints about how we deal in the midst of the fire, and that is this. What Paul shows us is this. Support is needed as your faith is being forged. Support is needed as your faith is being forged. Go back to verse 1 and 2 again, what Paul says. He says, Therefore, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy. So Paul's like, okay, we thought it was best that we don't show up, okay, because the people know who I am. They're coming after you. But Timothy, who was probably a lot younger, we know he was a young man in the faith, they probably didn't view Timothy as a threat. So Paul and Silas agreed, apparently, we're going to send Timothy in there. They'll probably leave him alone. So we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel, to strengthen and encourage you to concerning your faith. So look at what Timothy does. He's a young man, all right? But he's strong in the faith. I mean, we know earlier from Acts that he grew up learning the word of God, and this man is a strong young man in the faith. And notice what Paul says he sent him back to do. To strengthen you. So he was sent back to strengthen him. Basically, that word strengthen in the original text refers to a, a buttress. Did anybody see on the news the fire of Notre Dame a few weeks ago? Did anybody see that? It was tragic uh, fire. Um, again, we're not Catholic, but um, certainly from a historical perspective, a very magnificent cathedral. 
Uh, I've got some recordings of the famous organ in that place, which fortunately survived the fire. But um, if you watch the fire burning, I listened to it mainly on radios where I caught it. Um, they said on there that one of the reasons that those walls didn't collapse was because of the flying buttresses. Now, if you've seen Notre Dame, you got the walls, but then you have these big buttresses coming out. And so, which I believe, I'm not a, my uh, niece is the architectural expert, but I believe flying buttresses were kind of an invention of the Gothic time period. And so, one of the reasons that didn't, was because you had these flying buttresses, these supports that were holding up that wall, even though the roof collapsed on the building. So that's the idea of this word strengthen. It's the idea that when I'm sending Timothy to be that flying buttress, so to speak, that person that's really going to help support you, help give you some strength, tell you guys what God's doing, okay? Look, I know you guys are undergoing persecution, but let me tell you what's happened since we've left. Let me tell you about some people that come to Christ. So, so Timothy is sent there to strengthen them. He's also sent there to encourage them. Okay, look, I know it's really difficult. I know some of y'all lost your jobs. I know Fred has been put in prison right now. I know that it's really, really tough. But let me just tell you, I, I know what it's like. But I'm going to tell you that God will give you the strength. I've seen God give Paul the strength. I've seen God give Silas strength. I've seen God work in these incredible things. Because here's the thing. Timothy had been with them. He wasn't, hadn't been with them long. But he had been with them long enough to see firsthand experience of persecution. Timothy was with Paul and Silas when, he went to Phil, when they went to Philippi. And if you remember the story in Philippi, which was their first stop before they came to Thessalonica, when they were in there, if you remember what I told you last week, there was a demon-possessed girl that was following them around. She was a fortune teller. And finally, Paul had it up to here because she kept saying, listen to this man, he's the, the one that speaks the words of truth. And finally, Paul says, okay, out. And he cast the demon out. And of course, the guys that owned the girl, she was a slave girl, they came after Paul and Silas. And, uh, to, and they were eventually arrested. And you know the story, they were thrown in jail. And in the middle of the night, they were singing hymns. And, of course, there was an earthquake, and the doors opened, and the prisoners left, and the jailer came in. Of course, he thought everybody escaped. He was going to take his own life. And Paul said, everybody's here, and he shares the gospel, and the jailer becomes a follower. His family becomes a follower of Christ. And so Timothy, even though we don't know that he was in jail with them, he's seen this. He, he was there. And so he, he saw Lydia come to Christ. He saw this, the, the demon cast out this girl and the life changing her. He saw the Philippian jailer come to Christ and his household come to Christ. Timothy saw these things. He saw the church that was forming in Lydia's house. So when he comes into Thessalonica, he, Paul sent him back there because Paul knew that Timothy knew the stories. And Timothy could say, yes, I know you're going through fire. I know it's really hard. But let me tell you what God is doing. And Paul gives him some com com commendation. He says he's our brother, he's our co-worker, and he's here. So here's one thing I want you to remember. Support is needed in the midst of the fire. It's needed as your faith is forged in the fire. Billy Graham, we talked about him earlier, he said this, church goers are like coals in a fire. When they cling together, they keep the flame aglow. When they're separated, they die out. Again, we need each other. Here's why. Look at the last part of verse 3. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Paul says you guys know that this is part of it. 
Persecution is part of it. In fact, when we were with you, verse 4, we told you previously that we were going to suffer persecution, and as you know, it happened. I'm just going to tell you this. You're going to face the fire of persecution at some point in your life. Now, I know in America, we don't feel like we feel much persecution. It's worse around the world. In fact, I was reading on a website called Open Door USA. It says every month worldwide, on average, 345 Christians are killed for faith-related reasons. Every month. Uh, every day, uh, there, there are one, uh, Christians are attacked. 105 churches or church buildings uh, have been attacked or burned down every month. 219 Christians monthly are detained without trial, arrested, and sentenced. In fact, they said that there's been a 14% rise in persecution against Christians worldwide in the year 2019 in the top 50 countries around the world. One out of nine Christians experience high-level persecution. And in fact, according to the World Watch List of the top 50 countries, 4,136 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons uh, last year. That's 11 per day. 625 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, imprisoned. 1,266 church buildings were attacked. And in fact, they're seeing a rise in persecution against Christian women worldwide. Now, in America, we haven't seen a lot of that. Sometimes our church buildings are vandalized. Sometimes they're set on fire. I don't know if anybody here that's been put in faith, in jail because of their faith. But let me tell you, it's on the rise. Fox News had this headline, Christian persecution is just not happening overseas. Many in U.S. are targeted for their faith too. And in the article they said this, At campuses throughout the country, outspoken Christians are regularly demeaned, debased, and targeted for their beliefs. Academics, social groups, and college organizations readily ridicule Christians by calling them hateful, bigoted, and privileged, among other labels. We're seeing a rise in persecution in America. And our faith is going to now, now you may not ever go to jail. I may never go to jail. Don't know. May never for our faith. But persecution and the fire doesn't have to just be somebody putting you in the jail. The fire can be, do you really believe? Because something's going on in your life. Do I really believe God can give me patience? Do I really believe I can be kind in this situation? Do I really believe I can have self-sacrificial love? Do I really believe that Jesus is the only way? You're, you, you're going to have people have conversations with you or you're going to read stuff and there's going to be times when that fire is going to hit you and you're going to have to say, do I really believe this? And Paul said, well, I'm just going to tell you folks, he told the people in Thessalonica, I'm just telling you, persecution is part of it. Fire is part of it. Again, we are in a spiritual war, and you need support. And I'm going to say this. I believe this now more than ever. The reason Paul sends Timothy back is because he knew one thing. You and I need mentors. We need people who can speak into our lives. He knew that they needed to hear from this young man, Timothy, to be strengthened and encouraged. And, and, and I want to challenge you. If you don't have somebody that you're mentoring or you're being mentored by, I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to be in some sort of a small group. Now, Sunday school is great. I'm going to say this. Sunday school is great. It's great for learning. But there's a difference between Sunday school and a small group of individuals. 
All right. I'm in a small group of men. And so we have conversations that honestly are extremely frank that we're not ever going to tell you in Sunday school. You need to have those individuals. It can be one person or two people that you can talk to in context where you can be honest and open about your struggles. You need mentors. I don't care how old you are. You need mentors. And if you're seasoned in the faith, you and I should also be mentoring and speaking into other people's lives. Because I don't care who you are. If you're a deacon or an elder or a pastor or a mega church pastor, you got problems. And you got issues. And you need to be strengthened. And you need to be encouraged. And you need sometimes to be rebuked. But mentors are so important because they care about you, they prepare you, and Paul didn't want to see this church go backwards, so he sends Timothy to help be a mentor. Now, Paul's also being a mentor because he's writing them this letter. But the reality is, support is needed when we're in the midst of the fire, and I think we're always in the fire in some way. And so I want to challenge you, if you're not in a small group, maybe a couple ladies meeting together, a couple men meeting together, or a small group, where you can share, you need to get in a group. Have a mentor group. Somebody that you can share with. And you know what? In today's technology, you can even probably do it online. Make sure you know who's on the other end, okay? <laughs> but again, we all need support. Because you will face persecution. You will face the fire. And support is needed in the fire. Why do we need this? Well, let me tell you why. Because you're going to face the fire of spiritual warfare. We are in a war. Look at what Paul says. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy, sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. Now, who do you think the tempter is? Satan. Satan is the tempter. He wants to do everything he can derail you. Satan whispers into you and I constantly, hey, it's better on the other side of the fence right? On the other side of the fence, it's better. You don't have to keep going down this road. Of course, I always say this. I don't know. I probably told you this. My mentor used to tell me, one of my mentors, he said, you know, the grass may be greener on the other side of the fence, but it's probably a sewer pipe underneath, right? Satan always wants to tell you that. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. You know what? You need to go find somebody else, or you need to go do this, or you, you need to rely on this substance or whatever. Satan always wants to try and tempt us into that. And remember, Jesus said Satan is a liar. He lies. That's what he does. And so Paul's like, you know what? I'm really, I'm, I was really growing concerned because I know in the midst of the fire, Satan's going to come in and say, look, why don't you just stop this Jesus stuff? Why don't you just go back to being a good old pagan? You know, they're going to accept you back over there at the temple of Apollos or Aphrodite or whatever. Zeus, you, need to, you guys just need to go back to this. And, and I'm sure there was a lot of people who were at night when they're alone and they're wondering where their next meal is going to come from because they lost their job. Who, who the thought ran through their mind, maybe I just need to give this up. My, my boss would probably take me back if I would tell him I'm done with this Christian stuff. I'm back, uh, I'm back in the fold. And so Satan continues to lie. And Paul's like, I am so worried about you guys. You're new, you're young, you're fresh. And I know this is spiritual warfare. I'm sending Timothy back to you. You need support. I'm writing this letter because you need to hear from me and I'm really afraid that Satan is going to lie to you and you're going to fall into this. Support is needed when your faith is being forged. One thing that mentors do that I've learned is they help clarify things. A lot of times somebody in your group 
or your mentor or mentors, they can see things that you don't. And a lot of times they can speak truth into your life that you just don't see because maybe emotions or whatever's going on in your life, and they can speak the truth. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes a mentor says, hey, you need to stop this. And that hurts, but you need to hear it. All right? So again, we need that support in the midst of the fire. Because the fire, and the, by the way, y'all, the fire can be a long time. The fire can be months. It can be years. I don't know what your fire is you're going through, but I got a feeling everybody in here, you're being tested in some way. And your fire can be a long time. It can be a short time. be a long time. I don't know how long it is. Some of y'all may have been going through the fire for years. But I'm telling you, you need support. You need those mentors because the temptation is to give up. The temptation is to stop moving forward in your faith. And, and again, Paul was afraid that this young church at Thessalonica, that they were going to fall into the fire and give in to the fire of discouragement and doubt and the fire of fear. And so Paul is like, I, I got to send Timothy. I got to find out what's going on. You need some support. You need some encouragement. And now the good news is, when Timothy showed up and gave the report, Paul was super excited. Look at what happened. Here's what Timothy found. Verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. Now the question is, how is that possible? How is this young church thriving? How is this young church so healthy in the midst of the fire and in the midst of the persecution? How are they doing it? How can you and I be healthy and strong in the midst of the fire? Well, this sounds kind of redundant, but faith is forged in the fire by living by faith. <laughs> That's how you grow in your faith. Your faith is forged in the fire by simply living by faith. I heard about an old Methodist preacher. He offered this prayer in a prayer meeting. He said this, Lord, help us trust thee with our souls. And many people said, Amen. He said, Lord, help us trust thee with our bodies. And again, Amen. And then he said, And Lord, help us trust thee with our money. Not a sound. It's easy to say amen to those things that don't cost me anything. But your faith is forged in the fire. And look at what these guys did. Look at verse 3. He, he, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 3, here, here's what they were doing. He talks about their work of faith, their labor of love, their endurance of hope. The, if you look at verse 6 of chapter 1, he talks about how they imitated the Lord, how they imitated the apostles, and how they imitated the church of God. If you look at verse 9, chapter 1, it talks about how they turned from idols. I mean, these people were living by faith. Faith is forged in the fire by living by faith. That's how it's forged. That's how we do it. Living by faith is not an accident. It's something you have to choose. Living by faith is a faith that is driven. I'm going to, I'm going to show that kindness. God, give me the strength to do it, even though I really don't want to be kind right now. God, I'm going to show that fruit of self-control. Holy Spirit, live through me. Give me that fruit of self-control, because right now I want to indulge the flesh. But Father, give me that fruit of self-control. I'm going to walk away from this. Faith is forged in the fire. I'm going to give my testimony. I'm going to share Jesus, even though I'm scared. And even though this person may say, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore, I'm going to share it because faith is forged in the fire. Faith is forged in the fire. 
And let me tell you, the only way you and I can have faith in the fire is if we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we love one another. And these people, even though they were young Christians, they just got it. And they were like, it's really tough. But you know what? We're going to live by faith. We're going to labor out of love, self-sacrificial love. We're going to walk by faith. We are going to live according to God. We're going we're to imitate Paul. We're going to imitate the apostles. We're going to imitate Christ most of all. This is how we're going to live. And look at what he says in verse 6. He says, Timothy's reported to us that you always have good memories of us wanting to see us and we wanting to see you. Again, so here's the thing. Faith is forged in the fire We forge that faith by living by faith. We need support in the midst of the fire to keep living out that faith. And also, here's the deal. When a person walks by faith and when a person goes through the fire, here's one of the beautiful things. Faith forged in the fire will encourage other people. Faith forged in the fire will encourage other people. In our men's group yesterday, one of the things that was brought out is that you need a team leader. You need somebody who's walked through that fire, has successfully been through the fire, and can lead the squadron through the fire. You need somebody that's that encourager. And some of y'all are that. Some of y'all can be that. Because you know what? And your fire may be different. Some of y'all may have gone through the tragic loss of somebody in your life. And your faith was really tested. And then you run into somebody who's also losing a loved one or has lost a loved one. And you can put their arm around them. And you can be that support. And you can say, I know what it feels like. I've walked through this valley. Let me tell you how God worked in my life. Let me encourage you and strengthen you. A lot of times just being that listening partner. But whatever it is, we all have different stories. We all have different fires that we've walked through. And the thing is, if you you will walk through that fire and you will forge your faith by faith. You can be an encourager to other people as they're going through the fire. Look at what Paul says. Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. Paul's like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Timothy came back, gave me that report. You guys are healthy. You guys are doing great. Your faith is being forged in the fire and you're walking by faith and you're self-sacrificial and your love. This is the best thing I've heard all day. I'm sure Paul said, hey, Silas, let's go out to Outback tonight and celebrate. They're doing great. You know, I mean, he was excited about this because faith, when it's forged in the fire and you do it by faith, On the other side, you can be that encourager to others. Paul says, now we can really live. I can breathe a sigh of relief. I know the church in Thessalonica is doing well. They're not giving in the temptation. They're not turning back. (laughs) A lot different than the church of Corinth. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we're starting the church of Corinth. They're a whole lot different than the church of Corinth. I can rest easy. I can lay my head down on the pillow at night. I'm praying for Thessalonica, but I know... They're okay, and I am really encouraged. And here's the thing. We're, we're doing a little class on church membership this morning. We're talking about, you know, Southern Baptists, what we are as a church, and what we believe. And, and the reason it's in part of being part, important to be a part of a church is we need support. Even if you're not ready to make the membership leap at Warren, that's fine. I, I'm not here to press you into that. Being here is part of it. Just coming in on Sunday morning. 
being with other believers, rubbing shoulders with each other, encouraging each other. We need that support because we're all going through different fires in our life and we need that support. And when we hear how God is working in the lives of other people, that encourages us and it helps us keep going. And here's what Paul says. You know, we've heard this great report and that we can thank God for you. How, he, he asks this question, how can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we've experienced before our God before you? I, I, Paul's like, I, I don't know even how to just, this is so awesome. And again, Paul says, we are so encouraged for you. Faith is forged in the fire. And let me remind you of this, last thing. Faith is not only forged in the fire, faith is continually forged in the fire. So you may be going through some fire in your life and you got through it and you're like, I'm good. Nope, you're going to have another one. Something else is going to hit you. As long as you're alive on this planet, you're going to have some testing. You're going to have some moments. And you're never going to arrive. But I tell you, the more fires you go through, the more you can encourage others. The more you can speak into their lives. The more you can be that support. And, and here's the thing. Paul, even though this church is doing well, it wasn't that Paul was like, okay, you guys are good. We'll see you later. Never hear from us again. No, Paul says, look, great. You're doing awesome. I'm excited. We're going to go out and have steak dinner tonight because we're super happy about that, okay? But don't give up. Don't think you've ever arrived don't think you're never going to have other trials and temptations and struggles. Look at what Paul says. He says, night and day, we pray for you earnestly. And we, we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, now he prays for them. Now may our God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we also do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Amen. Paul says, let me just have a prayer for you guys. I don't know how I can say that I'm so encouraged by this report, but look, you're still going to have some testing. So I want to pray that God will keep your hearts blameless, that your love will increase and overflow, that you won't give in to the tempter, that you'll be strengthened. Why? Because even though you're doing good, faith is forged in the fire. In 2007, Newsweek magazine had an article about an army chaplain named Roger Bynumoff. Bynumoff went to Iraq twice, and he ended up, after his two tours of duty in Iraq with PTSD, but he also ended up with a major crisis of faith. He was a chaplain for a combat maneuver squadron. That's the kind that kicks in the doors and comes in with the arms and ready to go into major combat. And he saw way too many people shot. He saw way too many decapitated Iraqis on the streets. He saw a lot of pain. In fact, he wrote in his journal, I am doing more memorial ceremonies than preaching. I feel numb. He would visit the troops on the outpost and only to come back a week later and find out that one of the guys he had just visited was killed by a sniper. So people that he was developing relationships with, he was seeing killed. In fact, in, two, in a single two-week period, there were four suicide bombings at his location. 
And the troops would come up to him as a chaplain and they would say, if I'm a child of God, then why isn't God stopping this? So he was struggling. And at one point, after doing a memorial service, he wrote in his journal, I don't feel like giving myself to God. I hope God changes my desire. Did you hear that? I don't feel like giving myself to God. I hope God changes my desire. He finally got home after his two tours. He couldn't sleep. He, 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 when he would, he would just have these dreams of the caskets with the flags draped across them. He was taking anxiety medications. His uh, PTSD uh, landed him in the hospital. And he really went through a real crisis of the faith. But at the end of the day, unlike Charles Templeton, he said, I cannot let go of God. I am not going to give up. His faith was forged by fire, but he refused to give up his faith. I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to minister. I'm still going to continue to walk by faith. Let me ask you this. What fire are you going through right now? What fire are you going through right now? Maybe some of you are going through a crisis of belief. Do I really believe this? Pray. Turn to the Lord. Look at the Word. Talk to somebody. Talk to a, a saint who's been through a lot of life. How did you go through this? Get that support. How is your faith right now? Let us pray. Father, everybody in this room, I'm sure, in some way is struggling. If not, they will. And Father, I'm sure everybody, maybe some watching by Facebook, are wondering... God, where are you at? Why aren't you fixing this? There may be some who are really struggling with loving somebody that seems so unlovable or self-sacrificing for somebody that doesn't seem to appreciate it. There may be some here who are struggling with anxiety, self-control. Their faith is being tested by a coworker, perhaps. It's mocking them, making fun of them. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we will live our faith in the midst of the fire, that we'll get that support, that we'll have those mentors, that we'll be encouraging others. And Father, that we will walk by faith. You will not give up on us. Just as Paul and Silas never gave up on you in the midst of all those persecutions, just as the church of Thessalonica was growing strong in the midst of persecutions, may we, Father, grow strong in the midst of the fire. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So let me ask you this morning, how is your faith? Maybe you need to be on your knees this week. Say, God, I'm struggling, but I'm not giving up. Find a mentor. You might be saying, Jim, I don't know if there's anybody right now that I feel comfortable talking. There are thousands of good books. And that, a book can be a mentor too in some ways. Find somebody, some way to speak into your life. If you need recommendations, myself, uh, many of in the church, I'm sure, can give you some great recommendations for whatever you're going through. How is your faith? I pray that it's getting strong. <laughs>